The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast, Wednesday, January 19th, the year of our Lord, 2022. Happy, happy, happy to have you along. If you don't know what we're doing here, we're just answering questions. We do this twice a week during the season, once a week in the irregular season, as I have chosen to call this time of year. And we may be stretching that. There are some things happening right now with this podcast. So let me table that. I'm going to tell you exactly what's happening in just a second. But what we do is we take Q&A. And it is at Late Kick Josh on Twitter, at Late Kick Josh on Instagram, joshpate706 at gmail.com. Anything and everything under the sun you want to talk about, mainly college football, but not all college football. And we talk about it here once or twice a week, again, depending on the format that we choose in just a couple of minutes. And that's the way it is. So speaking of the format, I was talking with producer Jordan. And then the other night after Late Kick Live, I was talking with director Colin and producer Jesse, and I was just talking about our format. You know, during the year, we do three live shows, Late Kick Live, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday night, and then the Late Kick Extra podcast is on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. And then this time of year, we back it down to just Sunday night, Thursday night for Late Kick Live and one Wednesday morning Late Kick Extra podcast. We're capable of doing more, of course, but it all comes down to what you want. We can't put it out and not get any traction on it. I don't think we would, but we have to decide. And by we, I mean you. You guys have to decide what you want here. Because technically, here's what we can do. What we can do is there is an entire separate studio that we've never used before at our downtown offices here in Nashville. I mean, that's, the, that's how we roll these days. We just got studios that are dark that we've never even used before. Well, I could use it. We could find a reason to use it. And I could put a video product on this podcast. When we do Late Kick Extra, I could put a video product on it. And we could put it on YouTube as well as we do Late Kick Live, just from a different studio, obviously. It would still be provided here, but we could just add some bells and whistles on it. Also, what we could do is choose special occasions and we could do this live. We could literally do the Q&A portion live. Those of you who have been around from the beginning, you remember the Late Kick Show Owners Association meetings that we did very early on in our tenure here. We could do a version of that or we could just do that. The point is, I'm throwing out a lot of possibilities because I want you to figure it out. I just want to do it. I don't want to figure all the messy stuff out. So I'm leaving it to you. You got to tell me what you think about this. I just need to know which format are you interested in? How much of this are you really going to consume in the middle of February or June or April? And then I need you to let me know functionality wise, how you would like me to execute this. And then we're going to aggregate that all up and come up with a plan that makes sense. Because here's the good news. The good news is management just doesn't even care anymore. Management has looked at the success and the numbers of the show, and they have said essentially, well, we don't really get it. It doesn't follow our playbook, but who cares? It's working anyway. They're scoring 50 points a game. So whatever, just bring us the results and do it however you want to. And then they toss us the key and then they head off to lunch. That is good news. That's exactly what we want. We just want the resources with no one watching us. So now we have the resources and we have essentially no one watching us. And we got to figure out how we want to do that. So I leave that in your hands. One more little piece of interest from earlier today. I recorded a podcast with Ty Richardson. He's from Arkansas. 
and he did a really good job. I've been interviewed by a lot of folks, and they they get you to open up to varying degrees. It's not that I am a closed off person. It's just a skill when you interview people to be able to open them up at different depths. Well, for whatever reason, man, we we opened that thing up this morning. I mean, he's got me talking about all sorts of things that'll probably get me in trouble, talking about contract extensions and talking about where I am professionally right now. We talked about the journey getting here, all sorts of things I've never shared publicly. So I got so much positive feedback already today. I mean, my family had listened to it before I even knew it had been posted. I had buddies texting me about it. A bunch of you had texted me about it. I am going to have him send me that audio file. So you don't have to go search for it if you don't want to. If you want to search for it, it is the Hold the Line Podcast Network, and the show is called Trusting the Process. But if you don't want to go search for it, have no fear, kids. I'm going to have him send me the audio file. I'm going to shoot that thing over to Producer Jordan. And sometime later this week, I don't know when, just be on the lookout for it. I'm going to have Producer Jordan post that right here in the podcast feed. And look, I wouldn't have him do it if I wasn't proud of it, and I wouldn't have him do it if I thought it was going to be a waste of your time. A lot of the things you guys ask me about quite frequently will be answered in that podcast. If you're interested in the inner workings of what we do here, a lot of that, probably too much of it, will be answered in that podcast. So be on the lookout for it. I know some of you don't like the interview format. Some of you do. That's fine. Take it or leave it. That's the way everything here is. But I think you will get a lot of enjoyment and a lot of information and a different layer of understanding of how this whole thing works by listening to that. So be on the lookout for that later this week. In the meantime, we got a mailbag to dive into because I've already rambled on incoherently too long this morning. So I'm stalling as I pull up Twitter. You oftentimes see me post the morning of a recording. Hey, got a late kick extra episode today. Give me questions. And immediately you guys pour those in. So here we go. We're going to pull this up and we will randomly just start scrolling and we will randomly start answering. First up is our buddy Buckets, Uh, and I know good and well he listens to the first half of these at least, so this will make his day. He said, what stop are you hoping to make next season that you didn't make it to this time on the Renaissance Tour? And there goes the cell phone. I have an answer for this right off the top of my head. A lot of you asked a version of this question. Arkansas, Arkansas, Arkansas. That's where I got to make it to. I was convinced I was going to make it to Arkansas, and I never did this year. I went to an Arkansas game, but that was the A&M game at a neutral site location in Dallas. And they won that day, and it was very big for the program. That was when they capped their massacre of the state of Texas this calendar year. But I never got to make it up to actual Reynolds Razorback Stadium. I never made it to Fayetteville, and I've never been to a game there. And I'm ashamed by that. I'm very ashamed to say that, but I have not. And so we got to figure out a way to get up there this year. I've already started to gauge the home schedule for this next year, and I've already started to look at what our calendar loosely could be like, who knows, maybe the spring game, I'll make it up there, although we don't count that. But yeah, gotta make it to an Arkansas game. I also need to go to an Oklahoma home game. And of course, you know, the current state of the Pac-12 has made it such that we can't reasonably go anywhere west of the Rocky Mountains right now. Sure would love for that to change. Sure would love to be able to go to a USC game or an Oregon game or a Washington game. I would love to be able to go out there. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just opposed to going and covering six and four teams. So we got to do better, guys. That's your pep talk for me. We got to do better out there. But Arkansas is right at the top of the list. By the way, I mentioned Buckets submitted that question. You guys don't know him. That's okay. I do. I actually know him personally. Absolute Pate State material. I can vouch for him. I have the ability to do that as chancellor of Pate State anyway, but he would make it in on his own merit. Let me tell you about this dude in 15 seconds. Just wrapped up his fourth tour overseas recent retiree from the U.S. Army, and now 
in his latter 30s, I don't want to share exact ages, the man is playing college golf. So yes, friends, four tours and going to have, I think, full disability from the Army, and the dude is playing college golf. So yes, and I will go on record as saying anyone else out there amongst you who accomplishes that, you will automatically be granted Pate State material status. All right, next up is Clemson fan in Florida. I mean, that's the person's name. So I don't know which city in Florida, but it's a good place to live, whether you're a Clemson fan or a Maine fan. He says, or she says, with the increasing importance of compliance officers in athletic offices, is there a battle behind the scenes to get the best people in those positions? There's always a battle to have the proper people in compliance. I don't know if that's the most competitive arena right now. Now, before I say what I'm about to say, please know the examples I have are relatively small and anecdotal. But the people I have spoken to in athletic departments about this particular issue, they're saying that's not really where the issue is. The issue is not in compliance. We are not stressing compliance more. We're not trying to beef up compliance as much as we're trying to beef up scouting or we're trying to beef up our infrastructure relative to NIL or relative to transfer portal. Because what a lot of folks are looking at is they're saying, wait a second, we don't really think the NCAA has the kind of teeth that they used to. Maybe they never did. Who knows? But they're looking at it and saying, we're not worried that we will run afoul on the compliance side. Like we think our current infrastructure on the compliance side is good enough. They keep us in line. We're good. Where we're going to fall behind and where me as a head coach, where I may ultimately lose my job is if I'm not up to date on the transfer portal. And I'm not, I mean, we don't have an NIL plan. It's not that the university can specifically be facilitating those sorts of things. But again, with a wink and a nod, I think we all understand the game here and we all understand you better not be blind to it and you better have a very, very good plan moving forward as to how that's going to work. So to answer the question, I think there's always competition there, but I don't think that there's any more competition and battling behind the scenes to get the right people in those positions. Now, here's what it could be. What it could be is maybe you're looking at different kinds of people. Maybe you're looking at people with much more of a certain kind of background to put in compliance positions. I think that's very much a possibility. Maybe, for instance, you have someone from the world of marketing. Certainly, anyone from the legal world is always going to have a place in those positions. Maybe you want someone who has specific training in IP and intellectual property. You know, maybe you want brand building. All of those sorts of things are the things that are being talked about now that used to not have to be talked about in an athletic department. So, yeah, I think there's battling, but the battle may be getting different kinds of people in there as opposed to just getting a, a larger quantity of people in those compliance positions. Jay is next up, and he asks, with the SEC West getting even more competitive, which team is going to become the proverbial food in the SEC West? I, as usual, added the word proverbial just because I think it sounds cool. I don't know what the answer to this is, but what he is asking clearly is, with so many teams over there, and everyone's invested fully. The number seven team in the SEC West is Mississippi State right now. I think from a power rating standpoint, we would agree with that. And Mississippi State's all in. They've got Mike Leach as their head football coach. They are all in on football. They make the big time upgrades, like they enhance facilities. They are not your typical bottom feeder in a division. Well, here's the problem there. It's mathematics. Mathematics becomes the problem. Mathematics dictates that if I've got seven teams and they're all playing each other, and one of them's Alabama, by the way, there just aren't enough wins to go around that division to appease everyone. 
You can't, you don't have tiers over there. When everyone's all in, you do not have the kind of traditional tier system you normally have. In a normal, let's just say a generic college football division, you may have one alpha and you may have a couple that are taken pretty seriously, but then there's a third, third tier that any given year, you know, once every three or four years, maybe they can bite you, but by and large, they're there for you to get fat on and they compete amongst each other and they have one or two bottom feeders that they themselves can hope to beat up on and you know pad their resume enough to where there's no coaching change there. But in the SEC West, that's not the case. Because in the SEC West, unlike our generic college football conference there in division, they all spend at an A level. See, in the generic division, the bottom feeders coincide with the universities that don't take football seriously and they don't spend a whole lot. Therefore, they don't expect as big a return on their investment. Mississippi State spends at a high level. Arkansas, Ole Miss, Auburn, they all spend at a very high level. So they're in the same division with Alabama and A&M and LSU. And any given year, knowing the history of those programs and certainly the future potential of those programs, you would traditionally look at that and say, okay, well, you got maybe two of those on top at a time and three of them can be really good. It's got to come at the expense of someone. And I guess they understand that. No, they don't understand that at all. When you're spending the way Arkansas does or Auburn's does or any of them, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, you can just throw them out there. They do not accept that. Now, you can say that's a problem mentality. I would just go back to mathematics. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to invest and want to return on your investment. But I'm just telling you, at Ole Miss right now, that's the one that worries me the most. Because at Ole Miss, they just had a great year. You know if you listen to this show, I took a lot of flack for having them power rated in my top 10 for the JP poll for a vast majority of the year. Well, mainly because we thought they were one of the 10 best teams in the country. I thought they were undervalued. They ended up going to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, They ended up being a really good team. I think they're a playoff team. If they're playing an ACC schedule or they're playing Cincinnati schedule, I think they're a playoff team. But now they lose their offensive coordinator. They lose their defensive coordinator. They lose the quarterback that got them there. So I'm not saying they're going to fall off a cliff. I'm saying if you want the most volatility or variability in the future prospectus of a program, that's probably it over in the SEC West because that will mean there's going to be the most unknown outside of Auburn. Auburn's a total unknown, but they were an unknown this year and moving forward. Ole Miss was a proven commodity this year. Moving forward, I will tell you this. There are some people in the behind the scenes portions of this sport and coaching industry that think Jeff Levy and DJ Durkin, those guys were really underappreciated over there in Oxford. And they look at now, or Lane Kiffin rather, losing both of them, and they think it's really going to bite him. Now, most of these people don't like Lane Kiffin either. So it could just be sour grapes or at the very least a slanted perspective that they're talking from. But, you know, people turn state's witness all the time for the government that have an ax to grind. Their testimony is still valid sometimes. So who knows how that works out? I don't know who the food is going to be. My, I would tend to go Mississippi State just because out of the gauntlet and the shark infested waters that are the SEC West, I think they would power rate at the number seven spot. But as surely as I say that to you, I take Mississippi State with the grab claw machine and I and I drop them over into another division or another conference. I think they'd fare very well there. I, like I'd love to see Mississippi State, given their current setup in the Big 12, I think they'd be very competitive. That's just Bruce Hornsby time. That's just the way it is in the Southeastern Conference. Next up, as we roll on, Perry asked, which TV series had the best finale? I don't think I'm as qualified to answer this. I've got a thing where if I don't like the way a TV series is going, I do not follow it through to its conclusion. I do not. 
Now, I will tell you this. You guys know I love The Office. The last season of The Office sucked. I mean, I've had arguments with people about this. It was terrible. When I recommend The Office to people who haven't watched it, I freely tell them, you get to season seven and you're on your own after that. Sure, there are two more seasons. I'm not vouching for those. But what I do want you to do in the spirit of this question, I tell them, what I do want you to do is at the very least, watch the last episode. It may not make sense if you've skipped two seasons. There'll be some characters you don't think that should be there who are there. And there's some who you think should be there, aka Devin, that aren't there. But watch the last episode because there is a classic all-time, what we call a goat quote. This could be the greatest quote of all time that I've heard in a TV series, especially a finale. They zoom in on Andy Bernard, and there's like, I think think there's a song maybe playing in the background. Yeah, so there's an ambient song. It's kind of a sound bed as the outro of the final episode. And they zoom in on Andy Bernard, who is played by Ed Helms. And he's talking about his time there and how he's moved on from Dunder Mifflin, but He looks back now and realizes that even though he got what he wanted in life and he's where he wants to be professionally and personally, all he can think about was his time at Dunder Mifflin and his time that he spent with what turned out to be the best group of friends he ever had. And that man drops an all-time quote. And that quote is as follows. I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. I think a lot of folks can relate to that. A lot of you have memories of what you think may have been the best time in your life. And oftentimes it coincides with this feeling. Boy, I wish I would have known at the time. Some of you may have been lucky enough to know you were in the golden era of your life when you were there. Maybe some others haven't hit it yet. And congratulations to you. Get ready. But a vast majority of people look back on some point in their life. Once you get to any age and like your 30s, especially, you probably look back and you say, those were the good old days. And it's probably going to be that way for the rest of my life. I'm going to look back on that period of time. I wish I would have known it. And certainly you wish you could do the whole, let me teleport back there, knowing what I know now. I don't know how that would work out, only because I've seen the movie Butterfly Effect starring Ashton Kutcher and Louis Lastic from Remember the Titans in a dreadful part for him, by the way. Don't watch it. If you watch it, watch Butterfly Effect before you watch Remember the Titans. Because I don't want you sullying the good name of Louis Lastic with what that guy does in that movie. Anyway, Butterfly Effect made me think that maybe going back in time with the knowledge you have now is not all it's cracked up to be. Good movie, though. But at the very least, I do wish, like Ed Helms, that you knew you were in the good old days before you actually left them. Now, that is how you cap a TV series on an otherwise dreadful final season of said TV series. Danny B, next up. Good question here. He says, inconsistent officiating seems to plague college football every year. How do we get that fixed? I don't know that we can because I don't know that the folks in charge really want to get it fixed. They certainly have not shown that there's a huge push to. Now, here, if I had them on right now, if I had a commissioner of any league or if I had the head of officiating for any league on, here's what they'd tell me. They'd tell me, number one, officiating is harder than it looks. And I would say, yes, you're absolutely right. I've umpired baseball before. And even I know at the little league level, officiating a game is way harder than it looks. They're right about that. But here's the follow-up. That's why we're not officiating. That's why we never tried out to be officials. And maybe we are readily admitting, hey, that's that's not us. It's not cut out for us. But you are in that line of work. So you're telling me it is cut out for you. That's like a professional bowler who only throws a 215 in the championship match, turning around to me with a Coke in my hand. And he says, hey, you know, being a professional bowler is harder than it looks. I know that. First off, I didn't say anything. I'm drinking my Coke. Leave me alone, jerk. Secondly, 
You're the professional bowler, dude, not me. You're the one out here yelling, who do you think you are? I am, not me. If you know, you know. And so with the officiating problem, I would say, uh, can we figure out a standard? Because the, the problem that the audience has right now, the problem we have as observers, is the standard is not good enough. What's acceptable as college officiating is not good enough. I've got immense respect for these folks. I know a bunch of high school officials. I know how hard it is. Look, if I come down on any side, I actually have the backs of the officials. I don't have the back of the entire mechanism that's in place right now where there's this little magical orb around college football officials and there's this nickel and dime portion of our sport, it's kind of a branch, attached to a billion dollar tree. Everything else we do in this sport is so grandiose, is so well thought out, and it's held to such a high standard that I look at what passes as officiating and a product of officiating in college football, and I just ask myself, how can that be? If the aliens landed on planet Earth today and they watched college football, among the first things they would say is, why would you expand the playoff? And also, what are you doing with officiating in this sport? So how do you fix it was the question there. Well, how I would fix it is I would look at it, and anytime someone said, Josh, you can't be criticizing these folks. You know, they're part-time, they're volunteers, well, not, they're not volunteers, but they're part-time. They don't do this for a living. They're not full-time. They don't make a ton of money. I would say those are the most pathetic straw man arguments that you hear in college football. Here's how I know they are straw man arguments. Because every league in the Power Five, at the very least, tomorrow has plenty enough cash on hand to designate full-time status and triple and quadruple the salaries of every official that they employ. You could afford to do that tomorrow. In fact, I was conservative with those estimates. You could really pay them whatever you want to. You could afford to do that tomorrow. You won't do it. And you won't do it because the reason why these guys are so protected and there's such a shroud of secrecy over it has nothing to do with their part-time status or what their salary is. For whatever reason, you guys just don't want the smoke. For whatever reason, you don't want to bear the responsibility that comes with the officiating apparatus attached to your conferences. I don't know why that is. Like if I were in charge, my general thought is I would want a lot of transparency. In fact, I would want there to be, if not an official from that crew, I would want someone who represents every crew to have to meet with the media after every game to give an account of controversial plays. Because so oftentimes in these big games, you come out of these games and the talking points aren't, uh, you know, Jones made a great catch on third and 19 to keep the drive moving, ended up being the game winner. Hey, how about that? How about that doinked field goal? Boy, that was pressure. Well, what crowd noise probably impacted that? That's the way sports should sound after the game. Instead, we got folks moaning and crying about officiating. And in a lot of cases, they're right. People have complained about officiating since the dawn of creation. In a lot of cases, unfortunately, in college, they have valid arguments. I mean, it's not a bunch of, well, they missed a holding call in the second quarter and we lost because of it. It's not that crowd I'm talking about. It's the crowd that says, uh, you know, that play should not have been blown dead. That was a scoop and score. Uh, you know, forward progress should not have been stopped there. That was a touchdown. These are pretty clear. And these are the kind of calls that changed the outcomes of games, literally. And you don't ever get real explanations for it. And you may get some anonymous quotes or sources the following Monday where the league reached out to the university directly and apologized and let them know they made the wrong call. How about letting your actual audience know? How about letting your actual fans know what's going on? The sport doesn't exist without them. You're not guarding state secrets. This is not government activity. You are in the entertainment business. 
I think sometimes you get so far in the bubble, you don't realize that. This is entertainment, man. You are in the entertainment business. You do not have a product. You don't have a fancy office in Charlotte or Birmingham or, or Chicago. You don't have a job if you're a coach or an official, or you don't have a scholarship if you're a player. If there are not folks in those seats and folks at home watching on TV fascinated with your product, you are here to serve them, not the other way around. I would not keep my audience in the dark on those sorts of things, but for whatever reason they do. And short of changing the status quo there, which I guess would mean changing the employment status of officials, I don't know that you're going to get any more accountability. And it's a shame. It's a shame because it should not have taken this long even for this to be addressed. I just, I myself, am not a procrastinator. For example, when I see on my sheet in front of me, we have something to do, I do it right now, which is why we'll return right after this. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. I got you. I got you with that. If you tell me you saw that ad read coming, I will give you 10 minutes solo on the next podcast. But you have to take a polygraph test first. Uh, let's see. Edward is next up. He said he wants a Tennessee mood tracker. Edward, that's coming on a future Late Kick Live. We're doing mood trackers now. It's mood tracker season. I put out like a little call to action last show, and I asked you, what do you want more of? I'm still listening to those suggestions, by the way. So many of you said, bring back the mood tracker. And we were going to do it anyway, but I've just expedited that process. So the mood tracker has started. We did Florida the other night. We're going to do Tennessee soon. We will do dozens of these by the time spring practices are over. Aaron, next up. Who had the best game day food of any venue you visited? You were very complimentary of several stops. I want the best game day spread. Well, the first thing I have to tell you is when you go to a game at AT&T Stadium, so that's the Cowboys home stadium. I went there for Texas A&M and Arkansas. That's cheating because Jerry Jones makes sure that you're just blown away. So you have a personal chef. You have carving stations. You are just treated well above and beyond what you deserve to be treated like. So I'm going to take that one off the table because that's like going to a, a four-star restaurant at a football game. In terms of on-campus dining in press boxes, I've still got to go with Baylor because Baylor served breakfast. I mean, Baylor gave us breakfast. It was 11 a.m. kickoff. And Baylor had the chicken and waffle sammies, and they had the syrup station where you could get assorted syrups that were dippable. They also had a massive hash brown conglomerate in there to serve you hash browns. And I know that sounds like it's basic, but I am basic. Some people speak that pejoratively. I wear it as a badge of honor. It's how I get by on like a $30 per year wardrobe budget, and my hair care budget is even lower than that. So I just get to sit on every dime I make and not spend it on these things that other people around me spend their money on. And thanks so much to Baylor. So then we went to Ohio State, Michigan State, and this was at the Horseshoe. This was in Columbus, and they had breakfast too. And here's the thing about, here's the thing about Ohio State. I think I may have shared this when we went on the trip. They have McDonald's um, cater a specific thing to the press box. They don't bring food up there. They do their own food, and they did breakfast too, and it was really good too. But they have McDonald's specifically provide them with those McCafes and McFrappes, which I'd never had before. I'm, I've become a big cold brew coffee guy, sipping on one right now. 
I don't do the flavor stuff. You know, that's just getting too fancy for me. But since they're sitting there, mountain of them, they're all free. I took a couple of them. I went up in the press box because the game was a bloodbath. And so I just started sipping on those things. They're delicious. I can see why you people snake your way around those drive through lines in the morning to get one of those. They're delicious. And they're loaded with sugar. And so I should not have ingested two of them immediately. And I was up well past midnight that night when I got home. But those are so delicious. So that was good, too. That was my first experience down the flavored coffee and iced coffee route. Those two stops were good. And then when you get into the postseason, it's, it's a totally different ballgame. I am going to buy a helmet or body camera one day, and I'm going to show you the absurdity that you get when you go to like the national championship game. Do you realize not only do you get every meal provided to you, and not only is your company paying for you to stay in a, a nice, luxurious downtown hotel in whatever market you're in, they also have a media party for you, and they tell you not to provide photographs or put on social media pictures of you being there, and people do it anyway. They have a media suite that's open from like 7 a.m. to midnight, all kind of stuff. Totally open bar, which is a waste on me because I don't drink, but a lot of these folks do. So totally open bar. Some people just live in the media hospitality suite. And then if that's not enough, you can get a free parking pass as a media member to the games, but they also tell you, you don't need a parking pass. Don't worry. We're going to give you, let me clear my throat, a police escorted charter bus media shuttle to the stadium. Yes, friends. So whether you're Nick Saban or someone who is writing for the Gadsden Times, you are showing up to your stadium for a national championship game in the same style. Uh, In some languages, I believe they refer to that as overkill. And I take part in it, so it's very hypocritical of me to make fun of it, knowing all the while that I take part in it. But it's one of those deals where as long as it's there, I don't want it to go to waste. But if they took it away, I wouldn't complain. Because I have taken everything short of a pogo stick to a game, And I have parked uh, over a mile away from stadiums before and just trudged my way in there and trudged my happy little self back out and stayed until the final whistle every time. So this is all ridiculous to me. This entire world is ridiculous to me. But I want to stress, as long as they put it in front of me, I will partake. Let's go Alan here next. He said, what are some of the big winners and losers from the portal lottery so far? I don't know that we can fully put a cap on this, obviously, because the portal if we want to call it a window, the portal window to me does not really wrap up until after spring practice. I think what we're learning now, and we're still early on in this, but what we're learning is there are different portal seasons. And one of them is obviously at the end of the year leading up to spring classes starting. So right now, that's why you're seeing a lot of activity right now. And then it'll die down and then guys will go through spring practice. And then there's going to be a second flurry after spring practice. And then, I guess, uh, unofficially, by the time media days kick off, you kind of want to know that your roster is set. So at that point, we will be able to know. However, early on, certainly you've got to call South Carolina a big winner. You've got to call USC a big winner, pending the whole Caleb Williams sweepstakes. I, I think Texas has been a big winner here. I think that Arkansas is absolutely a big winner here. LSU has overturned like half of their team. In the transfer portal, they're in double digits now of transfer portal additions. And I'm, this is not an exhaustive list. I know I'm leaving some teams off. That's where my mind is at right now. And then we will obviously do copious amounts of transfer portal winners and losers. And you got the transfer portal rankings on 247sports.com that I would strongly advise you keeping up with. Yeah, there's a lot going on with the transfer portal. I think I've told you guys this, but I continue to be amazed. That is our highest traffic topic. Anytime on Late Kick, I've been talking about anything lately, and we got a team that measures all this stuff. Our analytics tell us 
you care about that more than anything, which is funny because you totally threw the media industry for a loop. They thought all of you were going to be fascinated by NIL and you wouldn't care as much about the transfer portal. And it's been 10 to 1 the opposite way. I don't even talk about NIL. When's the last time I did a dedicated NIL segment on Late Kick? Uh, conversely, when's the last time I did not do at least something on the transfer portal on Late Kick? So that's just uh, example number 1000 of you driving the show. We are delivering you what you want. If you'll notice, there are some other entities out there still trying to shove NIL down your throat. I know that if you really want it, you'll go find it somewhere. But none of you have emphasized to me that you're fascinated by NIL to the point where we are dedicating late kick resources and time to it. Jack is up next. Congratulations to Jack. He is paid state material. And here's why. He says, you have converted me to being an anti-expansionist. Jack, you could also refer to yourself as just a man of common sense. He continues. That said, do you see any benefit to a team like Baylor getting in with an expanded playoff? I love your take on Ohio State versus Michigan for seeding just being gross. I just wish that a great Baylor-Oklahoma State Big 12 title game had more stakes. So let me be careful with the way I answer this. Yes, there would be benefit to a program like Baylor making the playoff. Yes, I think that. But it's not in a vacuum. I don't think that at the expense of wanting to implement it At the expense of, and this sentence is going to make no sense, so just go with me, at the expense of diluting any portion of the back half of the regular season. I'm not going to go down that argument route. I know what everyone's take on it is. But here's what I was talking to someone about the other day. Peter Burns, actually, from SEC Network, he was posting some things he wanted to see change, and we were going back and forth about his proposal. Because he is an expansionist, but he's a radical expansionist. You know, he he is a fringe expansionist, if you will. Peter Burns just floated a violent, violent idea out there, in theory, of course, figurative, figurative violence here. He said, I am for a 12-team playoff, no auto bids. Now, you want to see a crowd celebrate the first half of a sentence and then bemoan the back half of a sentence? Put him up on a pedestal in a room full of certain conference commissioners and have him share that proposal. (laughs) We're going to go 12 teams for the playoff, guys. Woohoo! No auto bids. Boo! That's exactly what it would sound like. So someone asked me, kind of close, falling in line with that, is there any form of expansion that you would support? And this is going to surprise you. Uh, yes, there's one I could stomach. I'm not going to support it. I'm not showing up at the rally. But if you had a six-team, just a modest six-team playoff with first-round buys for the top two seeds and no auto bids, I would be on board with that. I could stomach it. Again, I'm not supporting it. I think four is plenty. I would go back to two just as soon as I would expand. But if you told me we're going to expand this thing, but it's going to be six teams, I do not think you delude the regular season at all with that. And you absolutely emphasize winning because you have the top two seeds getting buys, but there are also no ratchet auto bids, which have no place at the table in college athletics. You do not prove anything to me by merely winning a conference. That includes the SEC. I don't support any conference having an automatic seat at the table. Here's my thinking on that. My thinking is, if you're a conference champion and you truly are good enough to be considered one of the six best teams in the country or most deserving teams in the country, there will be no doubt by the end of the year. Like, when is the last time you saw a team win a conference and had any business in a national championship discussion, but you were saying, well, I just don't know if they're one of the six best teams in the country. We all know. Everyone can see it. Now, the counter to that's obviously, well, the only way to have a true playoff is to have certain metrics that you have to meet. And one of those needs to be a conference championship. No, that's not true. 
That's true if you're talking about pro sports because that's the way professional sports are rightly modeled. That's the way pro sports should be modeled because everything about the construction and modeling of professional sports is built to push everyone towards the middle. The best team and the worst team on any given Sunday in the NFL are on the field and the spread's like 15 points. It's not even remotely comparable to what college athletics are. There are no violent swings in strength of schedule in pro football anywhere remotely close to what it's like in college football. The gap in the NFL between the best and worst divisions in a conference is not even remotely comparable to the gap between best and worst divisions and conferences in college football. So you do not come to me ever, at least if you want me to listen to you, and say, well, this is the way the NFL does it. Well, hey, guess what? If you finish first this year, the NFL is going to make you wait until number 32 to pick in the first round of the draft next year, and they're going to tell you you can only take one player. Are Are we doing that in recruiting? No? Okay, the end. That's the end. As long as you're being rewarded for success and punished for success in one sport versus the other, I don't want to look at the back end of those sports and say, well, even though there's nothing similar about the way we got here, we still have to have congruency for argument's sake on the back end. Not interested. And so, yes, if you were to float me this 16 proposal, that would give the Baylors or in any given year in Oklahoma State a shot that maybe they would get scrunched out from. You had the whole TCU and Baylor conundrum a few years ago. This would have given them an avenue. I don't want to go past six. I really don't want to go past four. But in any event, in any format, the absolute only way you will ever have me give you any of my attention is if you started off by saying, Now, before I tell you how many teams, here's what you need to know. There will be no auto bids. It's still just going to be we're taking the best of the best. That's the only way to ever even get me to listen. I have no interest in auto bids for a thousand different reasons. I have much interest in continuing, but producer Jordan only has so many hours in his day and he's got to get this thing chopped up. So I appreciate you guys listening. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Hold on. Don't turn it off yet. Wait, wait, wait. All right. You're still there. Uh, Make sure you can do it on Spotify now too. make sure you're giving us five star reviews. That's the first thing. And the second thing, I want to crank this up again. We got to crank up the old, the old organic marketing machine. I just need some of you guys to screenshot yourself on your phone, obviously, listening to the pod and just post it on Instagram or Twitter. Tag me in it so I'll see it. And uh, that's about all I need from you. Everything's free and it will remain free, uh, but it just helps the organic marketing aspect of the show. You are the marketing department and you always will be. So thank you for that. I don't, I don't want to be renting banners to fly behind planes at Panama City. I want to just do it the old-fashioned way. So yeah, let people know you're listening. That's the way we've grown the show. That's the way that I would like to continue growing it. For producer Jordan, I am Josh Pate. Thanks so much for listening. Have yourselves a great rest of your day and God bless.